This week on the Habs Forum, we were ready to talk about how excited we are for the Canadians. We've been on a, of a run. You know, even when they lose, it's an overtime. They're 7-1-2 uh, in their last 10, getting some points, but then horrible news. Jonathan Drouin is out at least eight weeks. Uh, Paul Byron is also out indefinitely. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's the first real test for the Canadians. So we're going to talk about that, talk about who needs to step up. Of course, the last few games that happened. We went to a Rocket game. Don't remember much of it because they, they were down like 5 nothing really quickly. So we just drank the whole time. <laughs> but much. still a good time. <laughs> still a good time. All right. Before we get to the injuries, uh, I mean, as always, follow us on Twitter at the Habs Forum. Ask us some questions and we'll... Get to them. Don't know if we have any today. Any any questions? Yeah, yeah, we do have some questions. Uh, we'll right. get to them later. All right. Probably should have talked about that before the podcast, but we'll go as this week though. I know what what games are happening when. That's great. So we're going to talk about the, we're off the, to a good the, start. The, the, right, right. It's already better than that last week. All right. So quickly first, uh, we're going to talk about uh, f- to start off the week shootout win against Columbus. I mean, not the greatest performance. I mean, they had Elvis. Mer- Merz- Elvis Merzlikens and Nets yeah. for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So obviously we know any time the Canadians play against a backup goaltender, or in this case I think even like their third-string goaltender, usually doesn't turn out too well for the Canadians. I mean, that's not entirely. Like, we've played against a lot of backups this year, and we've actually that's, did, that's done true. not bad. I think I think you're thinking more about We've played against a lot of backups this year. It's like crazy. It's almost half our games. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, we do seem to play against yeah. them pretty often. Um, but I think... I don't know. Well, maybe yeah. I think it's probably maybe a little bit more last year that we made yeah. them look a lot better. Um, but I mean, it, it looked like that's the way that this game was going early on. Uh, and then Brennan Gallagher breaks the ice for the Canadians, and it did look like a bit of a soft. I mean, it's definitely a goal that I'm sure uh, Elvis would want back. But I mean, I, I gotta give props to Gallagher for that quick release there. And it's just it's such a Gallagher goal, right? We needed a goal, finds a way to score. Uh, gets in him, but then it looked like we were gonna choke the the, the point away because Zakarensky scored two minutes left, and, they, and, and then that's that's a theme that's gonna come back because yeah. late in the peers, late in games has been happening a lot, happened a lot against New Jersey, cost us the game. But then Tatar scores a game tying goal. Tatar, who is now the top score scorer for the Canadians at one point per game, which is crazy. Top score. But that goal, the story of that goal, Nick Suzuki. Oh my God, what a pass! That was a sick pass, definitely by Nick Suzuki. I mean. The, the more the season goes on, the more and more impressive he looks. And, I mean, what just the the vision that he showed on that pass is absolutely ridiculous. If it wasn't for the season Nick Suzuki is having right now, I'd be a lot more worried about these couple injuries. But Nick Suzuki's already ready to step in into a bigger role. He's already seeing it. He's practicing as a second start. They've moved Domi to the wing last few games. Yeah. So he can stay at center. That's how much. And, like, we know how, how like, it's, it was, like, pulling teeth. Putting Cut Kanyemi in these types of situations because he, Coach mm-hmm. needs to really trust his centerman. He's already got that with Suzuki, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, definitely speaks volumes of how good Suzuki has been. Just the the Claude Julien willing to put him in all sorts exactly. of situations. He's playing in power play. He plays on the PK every once in a while as well. So, I mean, that obviously speaks volumes of how how well. Nick Suzuki has played so far this season. So something I think went unnoticed for a lot of people on that goal, though, Dano did a great, great play. They pointed it out on RDS, uh, and uh, but if you weren't watching on RDS, Dano really he saw Suzuki didn't have anything like any play there because he was kind of stuck along the boards. 
but then he skated towards Suzuki, and then Suzuki passed it to him quickly and back to Suzuki, and it completely opened up the passing lane. And props to Thomas Tatar, who finished it. like He looked like Ovechkin on that one, one time. I mean, Yeah, heck of a shot, too. I mean, yeah. uh, great team effort on that goal. And, I mean, you know, it was really disappointing when Zach Wierenski did, t- did t- uh, well, not tie it up, but when he scored to uh, the go-ahead goal there. Looked like the Canadians were going to, like, let another point slip by their hands. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, great job there to tie it up and then Carey Price shut it down there. Yeah. Shut, shut it down. Beautiful goal by uh, by Drouin on uh, on the shootout. My favorite part of that, that goal, I don't know if you noticed, but if you, if you have it, go check out the replay, is Shea Weber's reaction on the bench. Yeah. He, he looks like a, a kid in the first row <laughs> with just, like, open mouth, like, jaw drops to the floor, can't believe it, uh, with the beautiful deke. So, you just, you just love seeing You just love the... The, the, the camaraderie there seems to be uh, uh, on this team. But to go back to the tie goal, another point is how much of a team effort it was. Props to Claude Julien, who apparently had the board in hand, ready for the timeout, ready for for, for, for that to to, to, to to really use his last timeout, like to prepare for the last minute of the game. But then Columbus ices the buck. They're obviously dead tired. And he rushes the line change, sends out his secondary unit. Like, a lot of teams wouldn't trust their depth enough to put out their secondary unit to get that game-tying goal. He gets that done, keeps the Columbus players on the ice dead tired, and it paid off. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I think that's the play to make. Uh, I know I was watching it on TSN, and Mike Johnson was actually questioning the fact that he was not taking the timeout and, and just and hurrying it up. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's basically the play that you want to make. Right? I mean, he, he proved he proved right. And yeah, obviously. <laughs> and, but I think to the point that Mike Johnson, I think, is a great analyst. Oh, yeah, and I think a lot of coaches would have taken that timeout. Because, yeah. like, for example, a team like uh, – like, one of the reasons why I think like Claude Julien feels comfortable doing this is because it's more of a scoring by committee team. Like a team like Washington, for example, they're not taking Ovechkin off the ice to put some fresh yeah, legs. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You know what I mean? So I think a team like that might call a timeout. But props to for to to It was really the the whole bringing it together there. It, it was one of the the great kind of moments for for the year so far for the Canadians. I think. Yeah, definitely. Well, Claude Julien, I mean, the last two weeks uh, really is, is yeah. has been earning his money for sure. And well, I mean, obviously now with the injuries, he's gonna be, <laughs> he's gonna have quite yeah. the uh, puzzle ahead of him. I mean, this is where the depth we've been talking about uh, comes in. But then, so they followed that up. So that that was on Tuesday. Then they played Friday. Uh, uh, in, it was in Washington, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, uh, let me pull that up. Yeah, in Washington. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry, five two win against the Capitals. Now another top team. So now they're they're four and if I'm not mistaken, against teams. So it's Capitals, Boston, and twice against St. Louis. The, these are the top three teams, uh, top three of the top four teams in the league. Yeah, and they're undefeated against them. And the best part about that performance, it was, it was a close game. Price definitely made some great mm-hmm. saves early on to keep them in it. But then we all saw Drouin get just destroyed by Ovechkin, and immediately the team responded. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a clean hit though. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it's the thing is, is when it's like super slow motion, sometimes people are like, "Oh, he left his feet," and all that. Yeah, everyone leaves their feet yeah, exactly. at the point I mean, of contact. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, I don't know. They they said that it's not from the hit that he that he did get injured, yeah. but I mean. I don't know. Is it a coincidence? Who but knows? I don't know why they would lie about that. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, they do yeah. tend to keep. Well, I mean, maybe because he ended up playing the game. Yeah. He played after the hit, so yeah, I guess maybe that could be maybe, why. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he was just feeling it afterwards. But yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't a concussion; it was uh, just a wrist injury. 
I mean, you know, I guess afterwards he was feeling the, uh, you know, maybe the next one of those injuries, it's like the next day that you're feeling the effects. Yeah, once the adrenaline's gone yeah. and all that. And, I mean, Clojini even joked that he wanted him to stay in the room because how well the team played after uh, after yeah. he get, got <laughs> off the ice. But he wanted to come back on, obviously. Uh, but it, it, it's still, like, all, even though it's horrible that, that, that DeHoy is injured, not just that he's injured, but, like, these types of injuries that happen, he's having a breakout year. Yeah. No doubt. He had slowed down a little bit with goals, still getting assists. I still looking just way more consistent and better than last year. And you just really, it scares me a little bit. Because how often do you see a player finally figuring it out and then an injury happens and then it kind of derails the season and then right back to where we were before the ne- next year. Yeah, you definitely hate to see it. I mean, especially because he, he, like you said, he was having a breakout season, was was starting to cool down maybe a little bit over the last couple of games. But, you know, you, you definitely hope that he's going to be able to bounce back. Obviously, a wrist injury is not ideal for, yeah. for a guy that, you know, relies on his hands as much as Dwayne does. But hopefully, you know, he'll be able to – he should come back maybe around the all-star break sort of thing. So hopefully uh, – you know, he'll be good to go for the for the final playoff push. I mean, his agent uh, tweeted out, was it at least eight weeks? Is that how he phrased it? Or up to eight weeks? Uh, well, the Canadians, if I'm not mistaken, said six to eight weeks, and then he said eight weeks. Well, I thought the Canadians said out indefinitely for both Byron and Junior. Maybe there was uh, different reports. But, I mean, it's good that they got right on the, the surgery from the get-go. But like you said, because like he's his asset is his hands, right? I mean, I don't know how much an injury like that would affect, kind of like your deacon ability and all that. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, uh, look at Brendan Gallagher. I mean, he broke his hand pretty badly twice, and yeah, and he's if anything, he's gotten better. Yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> so. abso- absolutely. But I, I think Gallagher is a type of player. It doesn't matter the injury he gets; nothing can slow him down, short of losing a leg, because <laughs> his biggest asset is his heart. Yeah, uh, right. That's, that's true. Uh, like a guy like like a guy like Dwayne is is his whole his whole thing is so skill based, right? But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I pulled it up. So the Alan Walsh said approximately eight weeks. So you know, just that's about All Star break, like you said. I mean, that was just like how the team's gonna respond. The, the the shitty thing is, the player I would love to get an opportunity to maybe find his his season and maybe come in and figure it out. And Dwayne Zapson might have been Paul Byron, but then... Yeah, he's injured as well. <sighs> but, uh, you know, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, wondering if maybe the reason that Paul Byron seemed to have slowed down so far this season was because he was injured, and... Well, there's a play in Washington, in the Washington game, where you see that he kind of gets, like, tangled up with one of the Washington players. It, it quickly almost looks like a slew foot, but I think that the Washington player kind of just, like, lost control and kind of accidentally gave him a slew foot kind of thing. And he's de- is definitely an obvious pain there. Now, it's possible he had a lingering injury yeah. that got re-aggravated there. But I'm not really ready to say that he necessarily was playing hurt because of that play. Maybe not. Maybe not. But, I mean, it def- definitely did seem like you I mean, know, he, he wasn't 100%. He seems to always be a little hurt. That's that's the reality <laughs> of Paul Byron, unfortunately. Yeah. No, unfortunately, yeah, he, he, I mean, these the injuries do appear to be piling up over the last two or three seasons. So, I mean... Especially a knee injury, you know, for a guy that relies on his speed as much as Paul Byron does, obviously not an uh, not an ideal injury. But I mean, again, hopefully he'll be able to bounce back as well. But 
you know, the Canadians' depth is really going to be tested here. I mean, they they so far this season they had been pretty lucky with the injuries. Definitely. Nothing really. I mean, Kutkinyemi was the only yeah, person who missed li- a couple of games. Exactly, and just the reality of how he's used with the Canadians, it, it's 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 much easier kind of to replace uh, someone like Kutkinyemi, especially with Suzuki the way he's been breaking out playing center. So I mean. He's someone though you definitely hope to see get some opportunity. Like he's not a winger, obviously, and we lost two wingers. But maybe on the power play, like maybe put him in situations to be an offensive asset, like he can be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be a, a big opportunity. I think. I mean, Nick Suzuki is probably going to be the one that's going to benefit the most. I think mm-hmm. at this point from from this, but definitely Kukinemi as well. Like you said, he, he might hopefully get a bit of a chance on the power play, and hopefully you know he'll 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 get a. He'll get some good uh, some good opportunities here as well. Hopefully, he's one hundred percent healthy. But the the the, biz, the biggest difference that, that this does because yes, we still have depth and we have some players to slot in for for these guys. But this gives us a clear one number one, number two line, mm-hmm. a number three line, and then a number four line. Just because if you look at it the way it was today at practice, I mean, who knows if this is how they're going to play their next games? And we got we got two months of this, right? So there's going to be some shuffling. Yeah. So it's Tatal, Danu, and Gallagher are back. Uh, Tatar, Danu, and Gallagher are back together, uh, and then you have Domi with Suzuki at center and Armia, uh, which which has been doing well. Domi, is someone I would love to see. I mean, he, he he. It's not that he hasn't. It just seems like he hasn't been really as impactful as it was last year. So I I like to see him step up in, in his absence. But then the third line, it's Lekkonen, Kotkaniemi, and Wheel, and then that that's I mean Kotkaniemi once again. I mean Wheel's been he looks good. He scored a nice goal against. Uh, against New Jersey, but I mean that's that's an obvious third line. Yeah. And then you have Udon, who's just just back and forth, just back and back forth. and forth between. I, <laughs> the the Udon sent back and called back up tells me that they didn't realize how serious these injuries were. Well, no, that's not necessarily what it is. It has to do more with uh, well, at least I think it has to do more with uh, the way that the CBA is. That if once he does thirty days in the in, in the NHL or ten games, if I'm not mistaken. He has to re-go through waivers. Oh, I see. So that's why they would send him down on a day that they're not necessarily playing, just to just to avoid that, basically. So are they just going to send him down during off days and call him back I, up? I guess. <laughs> that could be what's going to happen. And I guess when they send him down, if they know that this is what they're doing, it's not like he has to physically go to Laval. No, no, exactly. Right? He's, it's just... Not that it's very far anyway. You know, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's just one subway line, you know. Yeah. That's not that's not that's not that bad. But I mean, there's they're also I mean, obviously saving a little bit of money in the salary cap. Not that that really means anything to the Canadians. No, absolutely. I mean, they're not. so far off. But but yeah, I mean that I think they just don't want him to go back through waivers, especially the way that he that he's played so far in Laval. Um, I'd love to see Hugh don't play on the third line. Yeah, we'll give him a chance. Him. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know why why not. I mean, maybe it, maybe it's because like early in the year when Suzuki was playing with Thompson. Uh, it was nice having some offensive flair on that fourth line. Yeah, and yeah, the thing is, is will he? I think Hudon's one of his problems is Julien doesn't like the way he plays defensively, and then uh, that seems to be his problem with Kotkaniemi too. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. So that's probably why yeah. they're not in the same line. Uh, yeah, that definitely does make sense. But I mean, you'd like I mean the way that he's played in Laval. I mean, obviously the AHL is a big. Uh, a, you know, a, a bit of a step down, obviously, from the NHL. But I mean, the way that he's played, he just just came off a hat trick on last yeah. uh, last Wednesday. So I mean, I'd love to love to see him get a chance. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, you know, I, he'll I get mean, a. F- it'd be great. I mean, he he's got his chances in the past, yeah. but he's this is his last great chance he's getting. You'd have to think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. 
And the thing is, is if you're playing Lekkonen on the other side, like, you know, I'm assuming you can move him, like, back and forth, left or right. Isn't that big of a deal for him? Lekkonen is probably the safest player. Yeah. To, to, and, like, he's a, he makes the smart decisions on the play, on the, on the ice. He just seems to be the most snake-bitten player out there. For some reason, it just can't go in for him. But if you put him opposite Kotkaniemi and Hudon, he kind of compensates for maybe their lacking defensively. So I'd like to see that one. I mean, Wheel's great as a fourth liner, but you know. Yeah, as a fourth line, I mean, having Nick Cousins, Nate Thompson, and Jordan Wheel, that's a pretty decent yeah. fourth line right there. And then, I mean, who knows if, if at this point maybe they're going to call someone else up from the uh, from the Laval Rocket. We'll see. They haven't done, done so, at least not at this point. They haven't called anyone else up. But, I mean, there's definitely a couple of targets as well that, uh, that they could uh, potentially call up. I think the, the 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 number one everyone would assume would be. I saw you you did a poll today on on the Twitter too. It's it's Bezil. I mean he he's earned it the most. I mean I think he may have slowed down a little bit uh, as the season has progressed. But if you look at how good he did in camp and what he can bring to the table, he, I feel like he's earned a call up. If there's going to be another call up, yeah. I mean I think Bezil. Yeah. I mean especially if he's going to slot in there on the fourth line. Uh, I think he definitely makes sense. He's a hard worker. Um, definitely showed what he could do in the in the preseason. So I think he wouldn't be a bad call up. Uh, Ryan Paling as well was second in our voting, but apparently he's injured. It's, I don't know too it's much kind about of that, um, a bit of a mysterious injury. So the, so the, the headline today about that injury is just that he's going to get re- reevaluated basically. So not too sure exactly uh, what what that's about. I mean, he had an injury earlier this year, uh, obviously. So. Who knows what's going on there? I mean, you'd think he would have got the call up uh, if it wasn't for that. I mean, you don't. The main reason is the call. I, I do think that you don't. Time in Montreal is essentially over, but they can't get anything for him. They they want yeah. to get something for him. If you're going goes on a bit of a tear, I could see them moving him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's you know he's definitely you know uh, playing his NHL life at this point mm-hmm. over the next two months. I mean, if he if he can stay up with the team, if he can do a good job, then you know potentially ends up sticking with the Habs or. You know, maybe he ends up getting moved somewhere. But, uh, I mean, you know, there could also be some other options as well as in Laval. Lucas Vedemo, um, who's a great third, well, maybe potential third-line center, a guy, a shutdown center type guy. He has eight points in his last six games. And Jake Evans just scored his first goal of the season. I'll bite in an empty netter, but still. I mean, that was a great moment, though, just yeah. seeing uh, Joel Bouchard going straight for him. It's obviously something that's been uh, weighing on him. And, and then the, my understanding is that he wasn't even supposed to play. But uh, because of the yeah. late call-up for, for Charles, you don't end up uh, Yeah, exactly. Down. Wasn't even supposed to play. Uh, he's been struggling a little bit this season, of course. Hadn't scored a goal yet. But uh, with Charles Don getting called up, he ended up uh, coming into the lineup and scoring his first goal. I mean, what I want to see from Jake Evans is he's not going to get a call-up with the way he's been performing since the beginning of the year. What I want to what no, I, what I see from him is now that Udon's called up. Yeah, that hopefully. That he kind of, you know, yeah, especially with Ryan Paling not, sure. not playing. So that, that's more what I want to see from from uh, from Jake Evans, but there's also been a lot of trade rumors, right? Is this something we're looking at more? Like obviously the Canadians were talked, they're always talked about because all these yeah. rumor sites w- just want to be able to put hashtag Canadians because they know they'll get clicks off of it, and it's probably all bull because Marc Bergevin is he he runs a tight ship and no one ever yeah. knows what's going on there. But the obvious names there's there's Paul Yarvey, uh who's done with Edmonton, yeah, you'd have who's having so. a good season and uh, and he's playing in Finland if I'm yeah, not mistaken, Finland. Right? 
And uh, who is uh, who's the other? I mean, Taylor Hall has been talk- conversations about him, but that's going to be way too expensive. I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah, I can't see that happening. I mean, the Canadians, of course, would have the assets to do that, but I mean, that'd be a ridiculous price. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Even Puliarvi is having an amazing season so far in Finland. But considering how the situation in Edmonton, yeah. they're not exactly in it. And now, as it is right now, it's just an asset, an asset that's wasting away. Mm-hmm. And the way their team's performing, they might want to add some pieces that can play now. I mean, don't even mention Nick Suzuki. He, I'm not trading him for anything. No, no, that's for sure. But I mean, then you'd uh, think that's who they're going to ask for, but I guess who else Who else do you move? Yeah, so I, I don't think uh, I don't think the Canadians at this point are going to make any, any big moves like that. Um, even that, I don't even think they're necessarily going to go out and get a depth guy, um, even for the next two weeks. I think they're going to try to— two weeks, it's four weeks. Uh, eight weeks. Uh, oh yeah, eight weeks. Two up. months is what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> two months is what I meant. But um, yeah, I think they're going to try to fill the holes internally with the guys they already have. Um, you know, I mean, at this point, see what see what you don't could do. Maybe if they have to call it Belzil, maybe Palin gets a shot at some point. Ve demo. Maybe. Okay, but what if they go on a four game losing streak and it's obvious that <laughs> that losing all these players has made a big difference, right? That that that's I think the a trade is still a possibility. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, especially I mean, considering where they're on the standings now. No, that's true, right? But I mean, I definitely don't think maybe they make you know a, a small move, but I don't think the Canadians are going to make a big move like a Taylor Hall, like a Puliyarvi, at least at this point. Another name I saw I saw go around is uh, Tyler Toffoli in uh, with the Kings would probably be a cheaper. Edition. Yeah, definitely a cheaper option. Well, I feel like the Canadians have been linked to Toffoli for. For at least a year, and now. he's proven in the past that he's able to score if yeah, you put, a, put, yeah, he, put in yeah, the right be, situation, yeah. you know. So he'd maybe it fun. would be something that may, would make more sense. Uh, and it's 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 not like the team is any worse afterwards after you've made no. you know you know what I mean. Like depends depending on assets you move, and they have a surplus of picks at this point, you know. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of picks, a lot of prospects as well. Um, so I mean, you know, if I think if the right move is out there. Bergevin will uh, will pull the trigger, but I definitely don't think he's going to make any um, you know any any rash moves either, any knee jerk moves just to uh, just to fill the the gap that Drouet and Byron uh, might. Yeah, might I get it. I mean, no, you, you're probably right. You know, it's just fun to talk about. You know, you're, you're being a bit <laughs> well, especially of a... Byron. I mean, like like honestly, he hasn't been that great this year. No, he's yeah. it's not not too hard to fill that hole. Drouet, obviously, I mean, he's he's a much bigger concern. But, I mean, I think the, the way the Canadians have been playing so far, they've been getting scoring from basically everybody. So I'm not too worried about it at this point. I mean, just looking at, go back to the Washington game, we didn't talk about it too much. I mean, Thomas Tatar got four points. There you Daniel go. got three, right? So the, the team's performing. A great, to go back to that game, actually, a great moment in that game. It, it's hard to tell for sure, but basically on Nick Suzuki's goal, it deflected off the Washington player. And Gallagher could have easily tapped that in. But it really looks like, and then he made a split second decision, and as when he saw that it was going to go in, he he, <laughs> he didn't touch it on purpose. Yeah, wanted, maybe I, I guess mean, wanted to give Suzuki another. But goal. I can see Gallagher doing that. He's turned into such an amazing leader for the Canadians. Yeah, I mean, he, he's to me, he's the captain 2.0 for the Canadians. He, like, oh, yeah, w- Weber's sure. number one, obviously, because he's like one of the greatest leaders in in the NHL. But Gallagher is like. Like one A basically. It oh yeah, for sure. Well, when Gallagher reti- or when uh, when Weber retires in a couple of years, you got to figure Gallagher is going to be the next Cana- the next captain of the Montreal Canadiens. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great goal, a great goal for sure by Suzuki. I mean, the goal was fine. Well, I mean, goal, it deflected well, yeah, on the uh, on the New Jersey player. Well, but nice, I, I nice just... move by Domi too. The, the the like the point shot was pretty good too. 
But uh, anyways, moving on. So then there was the the New Jersey OT loss. Now this was this is a, this is our second horrible refing game that we got this year. It started off fine. Kincaid had a great first period. Yeah. And yeah. then some late period goals killed us. But the third, oh my god, it was just non-stop, non-stop penalties, penalties. and I mean, it was just hard to watch. It's disappointing because it, it was such a good game, and then to have it just, you know, sort of destroyed by yeah. the refs. Is, and you go on Twitter really and, and the message boards, and the, the New Jersey fans weren't even celebrating at the end. They were like, thank God this is over. Yeah. It's been, like, we don't, and then, like, the disallowed goal was the big story, obviously, because that's, he, it, he, he got refused for kicking, kicking motion. There was no kicking motion. There was a hip <laughs> thrust motion. Now is that in the rules? Are you not allowed to provocatively like no de- way. deflect there's the puck no way into the that net? That can be in the rules, right? There's no way, but that, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I can't remember any any like time there was a another like a yes or no goal like you know going upstairs yeah. to like such a weird but, such a weird situation. But at the same time, I wasn't that mad because I was like, I mean, he obviously he definitely on purpose. Oh yeah, did definitely. that right. But it's not clear to me whether or not he's allowed to, and it doesn't seem to be in the rules either. It can't like I can't see being in the rules that it's that he's not allowed to. But do. At what, what what's the the distinction? You know, what, what are you allowed to like? Are you allowed to headbutt a puck into the net? I think so. Pretty, like, like I know it can hit sure your helmet and go in, but like yeah. you're not supposed to punch it in. Like, like like are you only supposed to 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 do a motion towards the net with your stick? Is no mm-hmm. nothing else allowed? Could you knee one in? Probably not. No, probably not. That'd be a kicking motion. Yeah, I guess. Uh, it's it, any it's definitely karate weird... like motions would that would be a disallowed goal. Like, you know? <laughs> a karate like motion. Yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> but uh, at, it was so weird. It was weird, but obviously, I mean, the the biggest thing here was was the refs, and and this actually comes to one of our Twitter questions that we got from Will. So at o underscore Habs. Uh, so aside from determining eligibility for playoff assignments, should the league look to hold refs accountable? With, so with like hearing suspensions, I mean, I think they should. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, obviously there's there's a lot of calls that can be you know that are sort of gray areas, but I mean, I think like this game was just completely taken over by the refs. Like there, there's no there's and no need for it. There's no excuse for it. It's not just that. Plenty of people now have gathered uh, evidence showing that certain refs. Yeah. Versus certain teams, there's like consistencies there, and it just it's just completely ignored, and it's just incredibly frustrating. Yeah, and definitely, I, I just, I just, I don't know. Like something definitely needs to change, and you do see it in other sports sometimes. Like in baseball, don't they actually talk to the media, the refs or the umpires? Sometimes I've seen it in the past. Really, I don't think so. I, I, I just remember that league. one guy crying because he cost the perfect game to the guy. I mean, yeah, I, but no. Well, I, I, I guess that was just an exceptional, yeah, sure <laughs> exceptional an exception. thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they, they're going to face the media. That's never going to happen. But, I mean, I think it would be fair that they do face, you know, maybe some fines or maybe suspensions. Or, you know, so they definitely have but to I don't be think, held I don't accountable. agree that they shouldn't face the media. I mean, maybe not. Like, maybe they just need to make, a, like, a statement or something. Like, explain yourself. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess I could see them like trying to like they would have to explain themselves, but I I don't think you're ever going to see a ref or a gang of refs in front of all the Montreal No, media. not not That's in that sense. It would have to be like a way where it's a more of a controlled environment. They're not just going to take questions from from the media, but I want to I want to hear like like I love when a broadcast has a former ref on explaining yeah. the train of thought there. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, in every sport, they do it a ton in football. You do it, you see it a little bit in, in the hockey too. But it, sometimes it helps you really understand where the ref is coming from. And there's the the rule book is is very, there's a lot in there that we don't know off oh, the top sure. of our heads, right? For, sure. for example, are you allowed a hip thrust? <laughs> you know. That's definitely a good question. <laughs> you know, but yeah, well, yeah, sort of like when uh, I believe it was Brendan Shanahan when he was the like the head of giving out suspensions and whatnot. He used to come out. And the head of the head of give, well, whatever the hell. And whatnot. Well, <laughs> I don't know. The head of the NHL. Yeah, that's like the player. No, the player whatever safety, whatever. Yeah, yeah the it definitely wasn't the head of giving out suspensions. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you're. I know what you're referencing. He, maybe that he, should he, be the role. Maybe, maybe it should be. But yeah, he would do those videos explaining. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think that 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 would definitely. I mean, that's that's something that I think that would be appreciated by a lot of fans, especially I mean, in, in in situations like that where it's kind of like not clear whether the right call was made. And actually, you know what? In the NBA, they have the last two-minute rule or something. I forget what it's called exactly. But they will say, a, this play, there was a blown call. This play, there was a blown call. Like, they will hmm. put it out there. They'll, they will full out admit it, which, honestly, at times, can be more frustrating than anything because you're like, oh, great, yeah. so you're admitting you cost us the game. Yeah, we stole off true. the points. <laughs> But at the same time, there is a bit of a there's a set of, like at least they're acknowledging. Yeah. As a fan, exactly. you're acknowledging I got fucked over. Like thank you. Yeah, something like like that yeah. would definitely hold the refs more accountable for yeah, sure. Like a last two minute report yeah. or something along those lines, and then we can have like tallies for the ref. Like I'm sure the refs have somewhere along the line some like performance evaluations and. Yeah, well, it, it does impact them. Like, uh, like in the in the question they had. Uh, uh, Will had pointed out that it does go into if they make like essentially if they make the playoffs yeah, or not yeah. or what assignments they get. So I mean there is a bit of incentive for them to do a good job, but at the same time, I mean that's probably not enough. No, well the thing is is that as as long as it's not transparent to the fans, it, regardless of what they do behind the scenes, it's never going to seem like enough. No, no, exactly. Because to us it just feels like they just have free reign to do whatever they want and they get. Slaps on the finger once in a while, and it's like slaps on the finger. Yeah, that's not that. that <laughs> slap on the wrist. Slap on the wrist. <laughs> I just I saw the fingers, you know, just on the edge of the finger. The slap on the wrist, and like nothing actually comes of it. I don't know. It's and it's the second time. It, I, I feel like this was worse than the previous one. I think the previous one, the Canadians were actually. I forget which game it was, but I think maybe Philly. I think the Canadians were actually being undisciplined in that game yeah. but this well, game, the other team didn't get any penalty yeah you know exactly yeah. exactly and, uh, but uh but this it was it was both teams but the th- i think it hurt the canadians more because i may be misremembering but i feel like the canadians got no real power plays because the canadians kept getting penalties yeah, while they right. were on the power play yeah and then max domi his penalties were it's like he's trying to catch up from for, for <laughs> lost penalty minutes yeah we were talking about i think it was last week we were talking about how he could maybe win the uh, the lady bing but i mean we were jokingly talking <laughs> about it obviously but yeah he was, he was still at zero penalty minutes but then he got a couple boneheaded penalties there uh towards the well actually i, I, I kind of want to talk about max dummy a little bit because he seemed he seems a little off to me like he often looks like he's trying to do too much i think i think that's that's the sort of player that he is is that if he's not having success offensively he's going to to like you said i mean try to do a little bit too much and maybe you know play with a little bit too much energy sometimes where he you know will become a little bit more susceptible to those bad penalties and i think that's sort of what we're seeing the last couple of games with domi because right now he's at 13 points uh four goals nine assists so it's just about like a fifty-point pace is obviously a pretty big fall off from 
from from last year so far, and now he's been moved to the wing. And the the thing is, you'll still notice him. You still see some skilled moves out of him. But like, there's a few plays every game where he tries to dig out the whole team, and it's just yeah. he's not playing smart hockey out there. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, I think that's that's what it is. He's just trying to do a little bit too much. He's frustrated out there, and you're seeing it. That yeah, he's he's trying to do yeah. too much by deking out the whole team, or you know, he's taking a bad penalty because he's yeah. he's trying to be too hyped. Yeah, too hyped. Yeah, and then and and then there's Joel Armia who's definitely slowed down too. Right? He's still getting the chances, but it's just not going in. I mean, uh, Samsonov made some crazy saves on him there in, in the Washington game, but I mean, last five games he's got nothing, zeros across the boards. Like like these are players that we need them to find their scoring touch again. Yeah, while definitely. while Dwayne is Dwayne is out. Like as fantastic as Nick Suzuki has been, and you know my uh, my Calder prediction for him. That's true. It was a lot of looking well, that's better. Definitely not going to happen with Kale no. McCarr. Oh yeah, but I'm saying I, my my prediction is that he would be a finalist. Yeah, that's that true. could still happen. It could happen. He's not. He wouldn't. If it, the season ended today, he wouldn't be. But he's definitely been progressing. Oh yeah, definitely. Right? The, way, so, the, the way that he's played the last couple yeah. of weeks, definitely he he could potentially do that. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely, especially with Dwayne going down now, there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to have to step it up, and and obviously Domi and Armia are two of those guys. <laughs> See, that's why the thing. Like, I look at the lines now. So you have Tatar, Dano, and Tatar. I don't know why I always say Tatar's name in French for some reason. Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher. Uh, I mean, I mean that's tried and true. I mean, I didn't mind when they moved it around a little bit. I mean, Tatar's having a crazy year so far with uh, 20 points. And I, th- I feel like his penalties have slowed down a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Then you go to Domi, Suzuki, and Army, and it's like the way Domi and Army has been playing lately, is Suzuki the one carrying that line? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, it's definitely definitely a line that that has a lot of scoring potential. But I mean, now they're definitely going to get a lot of uh, a lot of minutes. They're going to get a lot of chances, and you know, they're going to have to uh, have to see what they can do together, the three of them. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm looking at it right now, and you take out Dwayne and Byron, and I know Byron hasn't been very good this year, but he still had the it's still it's still better than having Cousins or Wheel on the top three lines, yeah. I think. And it's just I don't know. It just I I'm like worried of how it's gonna because when you're the depth is great, but the depth is also like we're also scoring by committee. When you start taking down some of that committee, you know the the reason it works is that like when we have a line not working one day, then we have another line that can step in. If teams can start focusing on one line to shut that one line down, this team's gonna have a hard time uh, adjusting to that. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, obviously that third line, uh, Kutkinami between Lekin and Wheel, isn't going to strike the fear. I, I hate that <laughs> to line. too many players. I I don't see the point of that. Like, it's not going to do anything. Yeah. Like so. Kutkinami needs players that can like Lekin and I, I feel bad for him because he looks good out there, but then just nothing offensively happens for him. But that 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 line is not going to do anything offensively. It's just it's just not. They they need to spread it out a bit more. Like maybe you put Tatar next Kutkinami. Like he needs. He needs help. Yeah. Well, I think I mean Cousins wouldn't be a bad uh, a bad option as well. I think Cousins on the way, and well, maybe you don't. I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean Cousins Cousins has done pretty good when he gets the opportunity I don't, in I very think, limited minutes. I think with with the injuries to Dwayne and uh, and Byron, you you kind of have to separate that top line and and see if you could spread it out a little bit more because this is mm-hmm. a team that because it, it, when you don't have elite goal scorers like the Canadians don't have. You need to be a scoring by committee, and you can't just put all your eggs into, into one basket, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you could potentially move down, uh, I guess, Army out of the third line uh, to play with Kukinami, but then yeah. who are you moving on to the second line? That's going to be 
that's going to be another issue. But then, then there's no second, third line. It's just yeah. like it's just you're making like like kind of even lines and all that. But then I don't think Armia on his own with cut game, like like a guy like Tatar who's having a good year. Just, just you, we gotta spread out the offense more. I mean, I'm curious to see how how it's how it's gonna go. I mean, if Suzuki and Domi could find some chemistry, this this solves everything. It's fine. Yeah, yep. and Suzuki's look great, but Domi's Domi's gotta find that scoring touch from last year. That's that's he he, he just has to. He's the biggest. Biggest piece that needs to step up with Dwayne being out. Yeah, I think they got to roll with. Uh, I mean, see what uh, gives Suzuki the chance to play at center between Domi and Armia, at least for a couple of games here, and uh, and you know we're we're gonna see we're gonna see what's gonna happen. I mean, they have a bit of an easier week ahead here too. Obviously, oh, against, we uh, talked about it a little bit last week. We did, we did. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the guy obviously Columbus, Ottawa, and the Rangers. I mean, three games you would definitely hope that they can win. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's in Columbus and then back at, at home and a bit of a home stretch in the month actually because it's uh, at least five games in a row at home after that. So you, you really need to finish a month strong because this is a pretty light month and they've taken advantage of it. But the the schedule is a, it's definitely tougher in uh, in December. They they're going on their usual end of year crazy long road trip, uh, like they do it every like the, the second half of December is completely on the road. It's going to be a much, much, much tougher uh, December than uh, November was, so they have to finish strong here. And uh, yeah, I, I think that this, like the, the standings, was these injuries and all that. I'm curious to see how it goes, but it's 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 going to get a lot harder for uh, for the Canadians. And a week like's coming up here, they they need three wins out of this. All the all the these types of games that they're playing, they need to get all the points out of them. Yeah, definitely, especially with the injuries, especially with the with a hard December coming up. I mean, definitely they're going to have to, uh, you know, and I mean it's definitely three winnable games as well. Absolutely, so. absolutely, yeah, uh, absolutely. I we, they they just beat Columbus. I mean, it's in Columbus, so it's a it's a bit of a tougher game. But they didn't play that well against Columbus, no. so they they can have a better performance. Ottawa is trash. I mean, they've been more competitive this year than some expected, but we should still be able to beat. Uh, like beat the Ottawa team, and then the Rangers. Uh, the Canadians always like Price always seems to play well against the Rangers too, and uh, they they have to win those games because it's. Uh, I mean, they, they in the standings they look great right now. I mean, they're second in the division. If you, there's these websites that put out the percentage to make the playoffs, the Canadians I think they were the fourth highest percentage hmm. likely to make the playoffs. But it's gonna get much harder before it gets easier for the. No, game. definitely. I mean, they, you know, they got a hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, if they if they lose a couple of games there, they could pretty much be out of the playoffs in a heartbeat. So. No, exactly right. Because I mean, the Buff- uh, Buffalo and Toronto have twenty three and twenty two points. Canadians have twenty six. I mean, yeah. So they're they're definitely gonna have to keep it up. I mean, they've obviously been playing really well this season. It's gonna be a bit of a test now with the two injuries over the next uh, six to eight weeks, but. I mean, I definitely think they can do it, and then you know they got over the next three games. Hopefully, should be uh, hopefully three wins. No, I was I I'm I'm banking on it. What's been really great though lately is Price has he started off kind of like I don't want to say shaky, like he was still playing good. Yeah. But Price is better than good. He's been great lately. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he was a big reason why I thought why they won against Washington. Because, I mean, the way that he played early on yeah. kept him in the game. I mean, Washington had a lot of chances there early in the first period. I mean, we were re-watching the highlights, and they had two – Price made two crazy saves before the Washington broadcast was even done introducing all the players. Exactly. The <laughs> that, that's always so, a good indication that it's really early on in the game. Yeah. He, he's been off to a great start for sure. Well, a great start. A great, great last couple of weeks for sure. His November has been fantastic, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and the way that uh, – you know, I mean, with the injuries now, with the t- 
tough stretch they're going to have in December. I mean, if the Canadians want to make the playoffs, definitely Carey Price is going to have to be a big reason that they do stay in the playoff race, race and stay on, stay on the top, hopefully the division. All right, so then uh, we can move on then from the Canadians. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how it goes with these lines, but... Uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, Junior is obviously going to move stuff uh, stuff around like he's done all week. But uh, let's move on to the Rocket, who we actually went to the game on Friday, which was uh, not the the, the most uh, not I mean, a good game. By the time you sat down, <laughs> was it already two nothing? Uh, it was one zero, and then uh, yeah, the, a couple of minutes later, yeah, it was two zero. Yeah, right. The, the most exciting part of the game was right, uh, not Ryan Paling, but uh, Michael McCarron. Uh, winning yeah, that fight, fight yeah. but would you miss that, didn't you? Uh, I was getting there as he was fighting, and you were getting there. Yeah. So that, I do, I did enjoy that because he didn't want to drop his gloves at all, and whoever the other guy was was insisting on it, and then he knocked him. But he didn't knock him out, so he he definitely won that. He fight. won so, the fight for sure. So that was. Uh, I mean, I'm not for fights that much in the NHL, but it, that kind of fight where one player is just like, nah, man, I just don't want to. <laughs> and then the other guy is just insisting on it, and then the guy that didn't want to was the one who wins, puts him in his place. That's, that go. was enjoyable. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they got off. They started the week off uh, on Wednesday. They were playing uh, – oh, shit. Who they were, uh, I believe they were playing Belleville. and or Actually, no, sorry. They were playing Cleveland. And uh, that that's when Udon ended up with the hat trick. They unfortunately lost in overtime. Uh, in the first game, then Friday was the game that we saw. They got beat up pretty good by yeah. by Milwaukee. Milwaukee, though, how, who is one of the best teams in the AHL? So I mean, it wasn't wasn't a huge surprise. Charlie Lingering probably could have been better. Didn't have his absolutely, best game there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then luckily on Saturday, Caden Primo gets his first professional shutout. So that was great. Three nothing win against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers on Saturday. I mean, not the most eventful game. Two of the Can- uh, not Canadians, two of the Rocket goals uh, were uh, in the empty net. Yeah, Jake Evans gets his first of the season. I know, and that that so was like, that was a great moment. If, if you haven't seen it, it was, uh, it was all over Twitter. It was Joel Bouchard embracing him as soon as he gets on the on on the bench, even though it was an empty netter. Obviously, meant a lot to him to get that monkey off his back. Uh, but uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's great to see that, right? Like you'd hope this will be the beginning of him kind of like breaking out of this slump because uh, Jake Evans is like, he's supposed to be better than this. That's for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, he 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 played really well last season. Looked really good in the preseason for the Canadians, but unfortunately hasn't really been able to get it going here uh, so far for the Rocket. Uh, I mean, the Rocket right now they're sitting in third place in the division, so that's great. I mean, they. Played a couple more games than some of the other teams that they're uh, that they're up there with, but you know hopefully they can keep it going. They just came off of a six-game winning streak, uh, so I mean they're they're all, they're playing pretty well so far. Oh, they have the exact same last ten as the Canadians. Seven one and two. Seven one and two. Well, That's there crazy. you go. Where are the odds? I don't know. And that I mean, and so they have another big week coming up here uh, on Wednesday. They are in Toronto playing the Marlies, who are uh, currently first in the division. And then Friday and Saturday, uh, they're playing both at home against the Utica Comets, who uh, not uh, that's, a great that's, year. That's very important though, because. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Toronto's definitely going to be a tough game. Uh, though, I mean, the Rocket have actually been pretty successful over the last couple of weeks against some of the best teams. 
um, just not Milwaukee on Friday. Uh, but yeah, definitely you'd hope that they can beat Utica twice. And then, I mean, obviously Tor- in Toronto is going to be a tough game. But the Utica games are huge because Utica is two points behind the Rocket and with two games in hand. Yeah. So, so if you could get a couple wins there, uh, that, that that's a huge shift in the in, yeah, in standings. And, uh, for, especially for, two for games Rocket. at home. It's going to be two. Let's not two forget here because the Canadian. we just talked, spent the whole podcast talking about the Canadians getting some injury trouble. This means that they... They're losing pretty much who's been their top goal scorer lately in, in uh, yeah, Shadow Dome. And then, so you, that's why you need guys like Jake Evans to, to kind of find that, that scoring touch. And I wouldn't be surprised since Byron's down too that maybe another, another someone else gets called up, right? Because if Bazil gets called up too, then all of a sudden, I mean, th- to be to be fair, like you don't want to make excuses for for Laval because every single AHL team goes through this, but oh, yeah. it's not going to make the upcoming games any easier. That's for sure. No, definitely. I mean, right now the Canadians are a twelve forward, so I mean they haven't called anyone up yet, but we'll see. Presumably, they probably will. You would think, um, but definitely, I mean, losing Charles is going to be huge. Um, he was huge player on their power play. Obviously, got the hat trick uh, on the in in the game on Wednesday. And not only that. Paling's out like right now. We yeah, don't know Paling how too. It is, yeah, so. apparently he's injured, so we don't know too much about about how severe that injury is. But definitely, I mean, you're looking at guys. Well, uh, Lucas Vademo has been great for the yeah. Rocket lately. He has eight points in his last six games. But guys like Nikita Yevpolovs, guys like uh, Jake Evans, even Joe Cox. I mean, they're going to be. Joe Huge Cox, what moving a forward. <laughs> what a, that's a good name. I can't believe that's not the jersey you went for for the. Hockey against cancer. You got Jake Evans. That's right. So I, is, is I won nice. the won the auction for the Jake Evans jersey. Those are jerseys are thing. fantastic. They're like, nice. Those, those like pink like uh, as like hockey fights cancers jerseys. Yeah. But I just Cox man. Joe Cox. <laughs> that would have been a great one to get. I, don't know, I, I know you probably wanted Caden Primo the most, but it was it wasn't on the auction. No, for some no. I guess he wanted to keep his uh, first shutout jersey. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully, hopefully they they can keep it up. Get that scoring, obviously. Yeah. Is Xavier Willett miss a few games? Is he injured seriously, or is this? Uh, I actually I don't know exactly how bad the injury is. Because um, that's he's obviously been out. a huge loss for yeah. Him. Well, definitely. I mean, he's basically been the quarterback of the of the power play, and well, especially losing Hugh Dome as well now. But obviously, this is going to be a big opportunity for Josh Brook to step up. Who has um, been really disappointing? Like, yeah, well, two goals I mean, the whole season. He's Negative the kind six. of guy. Josh Brook is the kind of guy that that you know he obviously was amazing, especially his last season in the WHL. But it was always going to be a, a bit of a challenge. The transition I thought going into the AHL. I mean, you know, he's he's got a lot of work to do. He's definitely not going to be NHL ready at any point. At least in my opinion, you know, at least for another year or two. Um, so he's got a lot of work to do with Joel Bouchard for sure. I mean, he's got definitely has the potential, but he hasn't really shown it all. So if far. there was a trade to be made and we need to move one of the prospects, do you think he's the one the Canadians are trying to move? He would be the one that I would move. But <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know. I think the Canadians are really in love with Josh Brook. I know a lot of the fans probably don't want to hear this, but definitely Josh Brook for me is the guy that honestly. I, I'm not a huge fan. I've never been a huge fan of Josh Brook. And, and it's just the, the the type of game he plays to me just screams really big numbers and yeah, exactly in junior, but doesn't really translate to the uh, to the NHL level, right? So his stock, I think, is probably still pretty high with the way he played last oh, year, yeah, even though he struggled definitely. to start the year. Uh, not saying that he can't be one day a, a good a good play, but like if you're talking about the top prospects of the Canadians, uh, I'd move him before, obviously before Suzuki at this point. 
Uh, I'd move in before paling. Uh, move, like I don't want to move Caden Primo either. Like, like, yeah, like who else? Who else is an asset that's really worth something? Well, I mean, obviously you got Paling, you got Kakinami, you got Suzuki, you got Romanov, you got Primo. So, yeah, I mean, there Ro- is... Romanov. That's who I was forgetting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't touch. Uh, I wouldn't I'd touch Romanov. move Josh Brook before. I mean, before Romanov, Romanov, if he wasn't in Russia, he might already be playing with the Canadians right now. Like, if he yeah, was like possibly. an AHL defenseman, yeah, right you, now, you, you would know? think maybe he he could potentially play for the Canadians. And again, don't want to toot my my own horn here too much. Uh, when I called Kale Fleury making the team before Josh Brooks, yeah, you were talking about Kale Fleury last. year. I got year. a lot of hate for that. Last year, going to the camp, you were talking about Kale, yep. Kale Fleury, and yeah, Kale Fleury's been fantastic. It's Actually, been we, did we did we talk we about didn't he, ta- we didn't yeah, talk about his we, first goal? We, we forgot to talk about that. Another great Gallagher leadership moment. Who what got a sick play too? He got the from yeah. Fleury, and like, I, I love the call by um, by the. Uh, uh, by the the announcer, obviously, uh, to <laughs> just to, he mentioned like for for one finally a player on the Canadians is selfish and takes his shot. It was a great yeah. play. Goes he had some passing opportunities, but he he saw the shooting lane and t- took it. It's really great to see him get that first goal. Yeah, definitely not really the type of goal that I would expect Kale <laughs> Fleury to score, but right, but heck of a goal. I love seeing a a young player get a beautiful first goal because so yeah. often like it doesn't matter it's it, no. it's completely irrelevant but it, it's cool that you're because you, you're always going to remember that and it's like a highlight real goal for your first goal it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's sure. great it's great to see for for Kale Fleur and I mean obviously offense hasn't been his game this year but he's been fantastic addition to the defense yeah definitely I mean he's he's definitely been holding his own there's a lot of uh, a lot of questions at the beginning of the year but I mean uh, like Nick Suzuki the longer the, the more games that he plays the better and better he keeps looking so I mean, I think that absolutely these two rookies for the Canadians have been a big reason why they've oh, yeah, taken sure. like a bit of, a bit of a step. Like Suzuki's been more obvious of, a, of an impact. I mean, just in the last week, he's scored some big goals or had yeah. big assists, made some big plays. I mean, he's been a game changer for the Canadians. I mean, more so than than Max Domi, the top scorer on the team last year. You know, so. Uh, but Kale Fleury's been right there with him. I mean, obviously as a defenseman, uh, it takes a bit longer. It's not gonna be as flashy on the scoreboard, but. Mm-hmm. He's just. I'm not worried when he's on the ice. He's got, he's got like he, I like his skating. He's got a great shot from the point. I, honestly, I'd like to see him use it more. Yeah, if no, definitely, definitely. I mean, he's you know still going to be on the third pairing, obviously behind Bear uh, Weber and Petrie. But uh, I mean, he's he's definitely looking more and more comfortable. And obviously, I mean, you can see how comfortable he is with the move that he pulled to score that first goal. Uh, so we have two other Twitter questions to get to here. Um, so we got uh, Hab Statistician. Uh, so at H Statistician, um, so one of the, one of the new Habs podcasts, asking where we think Dano ranks among the league's top centers. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I mean, I think I think if we're talking two way centers, I mean, you got to think he's top five for sure. Yeah, as a two way center, I definitely think he's up there. I mean, he was. He was a finalist last year yeah, for uh, uh, not a finalist. He was fifth. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Not, not a finalist, but he did, he got some votes. Um, I mean, I think you could maybe even obviously he's not as good as, as Bergeron. No, I but mean, Bergeron, like if you're talking two way, like centers, full stop. He's one of the top ones. Uh, I would. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of elites at this at the top that he's not in the same conversation as. But as soon as you get to like the second tier, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just pulling tier. up here the the like. Uh, Top centers in the NHL. Let's see, just points wise, uh, where he ends up. Let me just see here. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's ever going to be score like a bunch of points. I mean, I mean, he's had some pretty good seasons. I think you know he can he can get sixty points, but I, I don't think yeah uh, you know he's ever going to be in a seventy or an eighty point guy. But um, as far as two way centers go, I mean, 
you know, he, he just keeps getting better and better every season. I mean, over the last two, three seasons, he, I mean, the progress that we've seen from him has been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, and, you know, he's, he's getting, he's maybe getting to that, to that top tier, I think, you know, very close to the top five. But uh, as far as two way defense, that's like a two two way, yeah, 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 not not overall centers. Yeah, like that that's no. that would be a bit uh, bit ridiculous. Like, hold on, he's not coming up in the centers for some reason. NHL.com is he is he noted as a winger on NHL.com? If he is, I'm gonna lose my mind. That, that would be that uh, would be pretty stupid. <laughs> hold on, maybe maybe I'm being stupid. It's also definitely a possibility. That, definitely a strong possibility. So strong, strong possibility. <laughs> right, so let me just see here. What was it? So he's got 15 points so far this year, and he's uh, positioned the left wing. Okay, so so clearly we. You can't trust uh, anything that's on the NHL.com website as far as stats goes. But if you, because I'm gonna just sort by the centers, uh, points wise. But I mean, there could very well be other players on other teams in the same position. But as far as center, if you 15 points, he ranks just outside the top 30. But while being better defensively than ever, like, so I think he's like he's a top 30 center in the NHL, hmm. which technically. Makes him a number one center. That's true. Well, he is basically the number one center for the Canadians. Right, right. Because, but it's he's definitely a a, a kind of like a B level number one. Yeah, number definitely. Center, you know, definitely. Yeah, it's, I mean, he's he, he really probably shouldn't be a number one center. You know, he's he's a, a very good second line center, and he's the type of guy that would be the third line center on on a Stanley Cup winning team. See, I I always felt the same way, but now I think he could be the second line center on us if you have an elite like let's say Kachinyemi. It all comes together and turns into an elite number one setter uh, that puts up like 80 points a season, and he's a true, true, true number one setter. And then Dano's your number two, and while being your shutdown guy and getting like 50 points, 60 points, maybe on a on a, on a really good year, uh, a year. I mean, yeah, that, no, I mean like, you don't get much better than that as a number two setter. No, that's like, true. Unless it's... you're talking about teams like Edmonton with McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and yeah. like stuff like that. It's it's pretty pretty solid. It doesn't get much better than that. No, he's he's definitely a heck of a center. I mean, he just like I said, he just keeps getting better. So I mean, you know, I don't necessarily think that he's hit his ceiling yet either. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be this year, but I definitely think in the next you know, maybe two or three years he's going to be in that conversation for uh, for the Selkie and hopefully he at some point wins one. Yeah, he, I mean, I would think so. I would, I would hope so. I mean, he, there's some great centers that are there right now that are. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you guys, you know, you got guys like Bergeron, you get Kopitar, like Kopitar. Is a really good one too. Yeah. yeah, Kopitar. I mean, even Barkov's pretty yeah. solid. So he's so, not, he's not at that level yet for sure. Uh, some of those guys have the size that he doesn't have. Yeah. But Bergeron's not really that big of a player either, and still is considered. But he's close. Much. He's close. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think, and I and I definitely think he has the potential to uh, to do it. And like the recent game where like you you talked about it as being uh, like something that could maybe yeah the game against, the Boston. against Boston where he he's mentioned that that, that uh, uh, he's um, like Bergeron's been someone he he's like kind of looked at him and as as like someone to, to, to compare his game to and all that and he he dominated that performance it was and plus he keeps getting better on the faceoff circle that was fantastic I mean there a lot of people were talking about the best. Uh, Trades made by, uh, by yeah, it's, it's definitely and up there. It's got, it's got to be sure. number one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, and, and the pick that they got Romanov. With, exactly, so. that's the thing. You put those two things together. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. For nothing. Basically. Exactly. <laughs> that we that we got Dano for nothing is is unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, and the other uh, Twitter question that we got was from Tom. So at Lears Cove, who has more upside, Suzuki or Kutkiniemi? That's a good question. That is a very good question <laughs> because who is more NHL ready versus who has more upside? Is or two? Because obviously, right now Suzuki is. Uh, yeah, definitely. He's older. Definitely outplaying. Yeah. No, no, no. Without that, no denying. It's hard um, to say. It's hard to say because I don't. Okay, the thing is, is upside. I think I would still go Kakinyemi. Yeah, I think Kakinyemi has has more upside. Um, is he going to, you know, in the long run, who is actually going to be the better player? Yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of a small sample size. Of I course. mean, you know, it's twenty games in here that we've seen so far from Suzuki, but obviously he is by far like shattering at least my expectations. And, and, I think and, and it doesn't look like fluky. It's not like he's putting up stats, but we're like surprised by those stats, and we're like, you know, he. He we, he's noticeably getting better. He he's improving his games in the ways it needs to be improved, and he's just adjusting to the NHL game in, in fantastic, fantastic way. I mean, maybe this is why it's not always a good idea. Like maybe Kakiemi shouldn't have been brought up to the NHL right away. He would have been better served to spend more time, you know, in junior. Like who knows? Mm-hmm. But, it's hard to but considering the Kakiemi's size and he's a center, that alone. I mean, Suzuki's been playing as a center too, but. I mean, there's there's more upside there, but if I had to put money on who's going to end up being the better player, I mean, the odds on favor right now has to be Suzuki. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the way that he's playing. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think Kakinami definitely has more upside, but the like the the, the the guarantee, well, not the guarantee, but the possibility of them actually hitting their ceiling, yeah. I think Suzuki probably ends up hitting yeah. hitting a higher ceiling in the long run. Yeah, like I remember back in the day when that HF uh, like hockey futures was more yeah. more more popular. You'd have like those those rankings in a way where the you'd have the ratings for like he maybe is an A prospect with but he has like a smaller percentage chance of hitting exactly. that level. Yeah. Like so, so Kutkinyemi I think would be like an A prospect but a lower chance of hitting that level. While Suzuki's more of a B but with a very high chance of hitting that level. Yeah, well the way I'd see it would be like uh, like Kutkinyemi would be like an eight C. So like C, See, that's how it worked. Yeah. yeah, I didn't quite remember exactly. Like an eight C, and then like a Suzuki would be like a seven point five, like B sort of thing. Yeah. So like maybe a little bit less potential for Suzuki, but a high, but definitely a higher probability of hitting that ceiling. Yeah, no, I I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, it's exciting to have two, these two. Yeah, great I mean, Kakinami yeah. too. I mean, the the thing that we forget is that he's only eighteen. Yeah, and I get maybe nineteen now. Yeah, yeah. But it's I mean, usually how that works. Yeah. yeah. So he's 19, <laughs> but I mean he's he's also a bigger player. So he's taller. Yeah. He's he's sort of lanky. He's got to fill out his body uh, that, before definitely. he hits his, hits his true potential. But I mean, definitely. I mean, they're they're two great prospects to have. But and the thing with Kadkinyami, he's not like one of those young guys that doesn't seem to be willing to kind of like adapt his game. And because like Galchenyuk was a bit like that, where he was a bit frustrating at times with flashes of brilliance but you didn't really see that that want to maybe like get better the Kotkaniemi has that oh yeah so definitely. i would it would be surprised that one of the reasons why i am so confident that i think Kotkaniemi will hit a certain level that's much higher than where he is right now is he seems like he's willing to put in the work yeah and if you're willing to put in the work with that level of skill you've got to think he's going to be able to to, to break out sooner or later in the NHL 
No, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think you know it, it. It might take a few years before he really hits that potential. I mean, unfortunately, it de- definitely seems like he's hit. He's hit a bit of a sophomore slump here. But I mean, I, he I hasn't mean, played in a bit. I mean, well, that, that's helping. true. Yeah, yeah. He, he's definitely you know he had had the the groin injury, uh, so obviously missed a couple of games. I like. I want to see him play with some other skilled players though. Like he's he's not being put in a position to really. I mean get those opportunities to score, you know? Cuz yeah. when he when he's playing with like he he's he's a great playmaker when he's with someone that can actually get into open space, you know? Yeah, so I mean, hopefully with the injuries, I mean, maybe he'll be able to get a little bit uh, a little bit of power play time. Yeah, I'd I love mean, to see him get some power play time. I think that'll help him build his confidence. And his, and... his face-offs need to get better. Oh well, yeah, I mean, well, obviously that's a huge thing for a center. So, yeah. so definitely, I mean, that's some. You know, he he definitely has some th- things to work on. But, I mean, the the potential is is definitely there. Definitely a really high ceiling. I mean, I'm surprised we got this question because uh, apparently I talk too highly of cutting at me all the time. So. <laughs> but uh, no, a great question. I mean, send those questions over as uh, as much as possible. I mean, we we love answering them, right? So I mean, that was the last one I think you said, right? Yep. Yeah. So definitely, guys, keep those questions coming. Um, so we've talked about the Habs, we've talked about the Rocket as well. So as, as far as prospects go, um, I mean, obviously, Caden Primo, the biggest news in, uh, in Canadian's prospects, getting his first career professional shutout. He's obviously has ridiculous numbers so far. Uh, we have Gianni Fairbrother, third rounder from last year. He just scored his first goal this season. He's got 12 points in 16 games so far. Great name. Gianni Fairbrother. Yeah. Oh, that's a good name. Uh, we got two guys from Shakutami. Uh, tearing it up as well. Uh, both got off to a bit of a slow start, but the team's really picking it up as of late. So Raphael Harvey Pinard, who was a seventh rounder last year, and Samuel Hood, which was, uh, I want to say fifth rounder from two years ago. Uh, so 26 points so far from Harvey Pinard, 31 for Hood. Uh, Cole Caulfield, two assists over the weekend, so that's great. Yeah, goals are still slowing down for him, but he's showing his playmaking ability. There you go. So I'm okay he's showing with that. he can do it all. <laughs> he's, I'm okay with that. Still the best goal scorer of all time. And we got uh, Jaden Struble. Got his first uh, point in the NCAA, so that's great for him. Was he, was uh, he a Second rounder last year. Last year? Second yeah. rounder for last year. Okay. Yeah, so uh, he's definitely a guy with a lot, sort of a – well, I don't know if I want to call him a Josh Brook type, but sort of the same principle that where he's a guy with the physical tools to do it, but has has a bit of a ways to come. And Jordan Harris as well to assist over the over the weekend. So lots of has prospects doing a lot of great things. Jacob Olifson as well came back from uh, from an injury and he's been off to a off to a flying start here. Um, he's been really hot lately. Looking forward to see what he can do with uh, Team Sweden in the World Juniors. All right, sounds good. That's the prospect update for this week. Uh, as always, like we just mentioned, follow us at the Habs Forum. Keep sending out those questions. I mean, you, we usually record on Monday, so uh, D- Dustin will send out a tweet asking for your question. But if throughout the week if something pops up, feel free to DM whenever you want. Uh, you could add a question to any tweet that we put out there during games or what have you. Uh, as always, thanks for listening and uh, have a good one.